From Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, this is The Legal Lounge. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello and welcome to The Legal Lounge. I'm Amanda and along with the lawyers and experts here at Lanyon Bowdler, I'll be bringing you a series of podcasts that cover many aspects of law in England and Wales. It's our aim to show you that the law isn't scary and nor are our lawyers. If you have a particular legal issue you'd like me to put to our specialists for an upcoming episode, please let us know by getting in touch through the website lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, Emma Broomfield and Steph Merrill from our clinical negligence team share staggering statistics about sepsis. Anyone who has an infection can develop sepsis and everyone is at risk. 52,000 people die every year and of those, 1,000 are children. This helpful episode shares the signs and symptoms you need to be aware of. Hi, I'm Emma and I'm here with my colleague Steph today to have a talk about sepsis. Hi, I'm Steph. Uh, Thanks, Emma. Um, My background is I've worked in critical care for 16 years. Um, I now work here at Lanyon Bowdler and my role is to support the lawyers to do their job. And you're going to help me out with the medical stuff today, which is is great. (laughs) So sepsis is something that people may or may not have heard of, but it's a really important condition to, to know about. We all know about infection, but sepsis is when the body overreacts to infection. So we have our immune system that kicks in, but with sepsis, it goes into overdrive and the body really is, it's uh, attacking itself. And so sepsis can end up with damage to organs. You could end up needing an amputation or even in the most serious cases, it can lead to death. So it is a really serious condition that that we think people need to know about. That's but right. how how common is it or how rare is it? Well, the, I mean, the statistics are quite staggering, really. Um, sepsis is actually more common than heart attacks, which I think, you know, a lot of people Gosh. don't realise mm-hmm. it's that common. Um, it kills more people than bowel cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer and road traffic accidents combined. I mean, that is just phenomenal. I mean, numbers wise, we're talking in the UK, over 250,000 people a year are affected. Um, and in terms of how many people die, 50 52,000 people a year die. I mean, that's a thousand people a week. That's a lot because we've all been hearing all the the stats about COVID. We've kind of been a bit mind blown by that. But but you're saying over 50,000 people a year from sepsis. Yeah, and it's not new. So that's every year. I mean, out of those figures, 14,000 a year are avoidable. So I think, you know, that's the thing that is, it's such a big deal. The numbers are staggering. And the fact that there's so many avoidable deaths, that is what's incredible really that something can actually be done you mentioned children yeah so i mean out of the fifty-two thousand people that, that die every year a thousand are children i mean that's 20 children a week and you know the fact that it can affect you know people of all ages it's just it could happen to anyone yeah so we we need to know about this can you just tell us medically what what's going on with sepsis what's going on in the body right well sepsis is the body's um it's it's an abnormal and very extreme response to an infection so you know as we know anyone can get an infection really and what it does is it sets off a a sort of chain reaction that can result in tissue damage um multi-organ failure and sadly death and it's, you know, for reasons that we don't really fully understand. And that's quite a big part of it. We, you know, we, we don't know why it happens, but we know that it happens. So the fact that anyone who can have an infection could potentially develop sepsis, 
it's a big deal. Um, you know, infection-wise, it can start anywhere. Any infection that you can think of. A chest infection, it could be, you know, a cut on your finger. I've looked after a patient in, in critical care who cut his leg having cut down his Christmas tree and trimmed a few branches. Um, he became very unwell in, in critical care um, and developed sepsis from that cut. So it can come from an infection. So who is at risk of getting sepsis? Well, anyone, Anyone, everyone really. Um, Obviously, there are some more at-risk groups, um, the the sort of the at-risk groups that you would imagine. Babies under one, anyone with a a weakened immune system. So kind of if you are having treatment for cancer, something like that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Or if you've just had surgery, older adults, you Mm -hmm. know, anyone with diabetes or heart and lung problems. If you're pregnant or if you've just had a baby, you know, people don't necessarily realise that when you're pregnant or you've just had a baby, your immune system is, is quite weakened, really. Right, as we've talked about, because it can happen to anyone, it's really important that we, we know what the signs and symptoms are. Emma, do you want to go through what, what they are? Yeah, so I think you've mentioned that it's more common than heart attacks and we're all kind of familiar with the, the signs that you can get that you might be having a heart attack and what to look out Absolutely, for. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and the same with stroke. I think there was quite a publicity campaign about that. And again, we're familiar with that. But But sepsis is a bit harder because, as we've said, no one quite knows what causes it and it can present in in a real range of ways. But there are some signs and symptoms to look out for. Um, It's quite a long list, (laughs) Um, but these things can all be a sign that there's there's something going wrong and that you need um, urgent medical assistance and assessment. So starting with someone might have slurred speech, they could be confused, um, just acting a bit differently to normal. They might have a lot of pain, severe pain, fever, uh, and be shivering a lot. This next one is perhaps something you wouldn't expect um, if you haven't passed urine all day. So people might not have had a pee all day. They might not really realise that's something significant, but actually that's quite a worrying sign. It is. It's huge. And I think what quite often what people try and do is justify why they haven't had a pee. So they might say, well, they haven't drunk very much. Well, again, that's a huge you know, sign for something isn't quite right. So yeah, you're right. It's yeah. really important. So if, if you haven't had a pee all day, there's something that you need to be asking a yeah. question, you know, what's going on here? Um, if someone's very short of breath, they're breathing very fast, or they've got difficulties getting their breath, that can be a sign. It can feel like you're going to die. Patients who have sepsis say they didn't really know what was going on, but they just felt absolutely terrible. They knew that there was something just not right, but difficult to put a finger on. But although that sounds very vague, it can be a sign that the sepsis and the skin can be affected. So um, the skin might be pale or it might be discoloured. So these are all symptoms to look out for. Now, that's quite a long list, um, difficult to remember. So what you can do um, is you can download a card that's got those signs and symptoms on. If you've got a really good memory, then um, there is a little mnemonic that spells out sepsis that runs through those. So slurred speech, extreme shivering, passing no urine all day, severe breathlessness, it feels like you're going to die, and skin being mottled or or discoloured. But as I say, most of us are not going to remember those, but you can get a little card that you can put in your wallet or you can download a poster. And it's just being familiar with anything that's out of the ordinary, really, a sign that your body is not acting normally, then you might want to be posing that question could this be sepsis yeah and I think that's a really good point actually Emma that the fact that the signs and symptoms the list is long there's lots of them they can be quite vague and also they sound similar to lots of other things so I think as you've just mentioned asking that question could it be sepsis it's sort of 
it gives people the permission to say, well, could it be? I'm not really sure. And that's okay. It's all right not to know. You know, not everyone's medically trained. And of course, symptoms are different in, in babies and, and young children. You know, they're, they're quite different as well. Yeah, symptoms can be different. And of course, babies and young children can't tell you often yeah. what's wrong with them. Or again, if you're caring for someone with dementia, someone elderly, um, they might not be able to tell you what's wrong. But that's why it's important for family members to be aware and, and looking out for these things. With children, again, um, there might be fast or difficult breathing. They might have a raised temperature. Coming back to the, the not peeing thing, you might notice there's been no wet nappy for 12 hours. That's concerning. Your baby might be floppy and not responding as they normally would. So again, it's looking for things that are, that are out of the ordinary. Are, are you worried because there's a change in your baby or in that elderly person that you're caring for they're not breathing as they normally would they're not responding as they normally would then you maybe need to be asking that that question could it be sepsis i think you know we're we're both parents aren't we and we've um, we've we've talked about how we know um, we were all told to check for meningitis by doing the if there's a rash and you roll the glass on the skin and I think people might be familiar with that as a check yeah but we need to get familiar with these as well and asking that question so so could it be sepsis I think that that's you know what what you just said then about the the glass technique people know about that now mm. well people are really only just becoming aware of sepsis people have heard of it they don't fully understand what it is and so they don't really know what to you know so what 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 about it they don't really yeah. know what to do next and I think that you know the symptoms that that you've talked about they can be quite vague and it is a long list but if if you're concerned it's the time to ring 999 because I think a lot of people don't realize what then happens and as I mentioned earlier it's a bit of a chain reaction so once that sepsis has started it starts this chain reaction where as clinicians we've got this, we talk about this golden hour. So as soon as it's either been identified as a possibility of sepsis, or it's been confirmed that it is sepsis, um, there's this golden hour where really we need to start, you know, it's all action stations. So, so we're talking call 999, not yeah, so, maybe so, I'll ring my GP. Yeah, so sort of going back from that, mm. you know, if you're not sure, then call 999 mm. and, you know, ask the question wherever, anywhere, ask the question, could it be sepsis? So if you're with your GP, ask it at that point. If you're, you know, speaking to the call handler, mention it there. Mention it as early on as you can, because what clinicians are trying to do is stop that chain reaction. So then going back to the golden hour, once it's been confirmed or, or even if it, you know, hasn't quite been confirmed that, that that's the diagnosis, you're treated as if you've got sepsis. There's a pathway. Now, that's that's the start of, of breaking that chain reaction. So we call it the sepsis six. So it's all about, I mean, amongst other things, there's giving oxygen, IV antibiotics, IV fluids, you know, monitoring all those things. And very importantly, monitoring the urine output because that's a really you know big sign of, of something's something's going on so because the, the the body as we've said the body's kind of attacking itself and starting to shut down is that yeah, right so it that's exactly what's happening and, and it can affect one system it can affect all the systems because your body is one body it's a whole system it can then become systemic and that's when you go into septic shock um so time really is of the essence and as you mentioned earlier 
the you know the the stroke that kind of marketing that's happened with the awareness of that and heart attacks it's working because time is of the essence and people know that now but they're not really quite aware of that with sepsis um and so obviously going back to the figures that we're talking about it's more common than heart attacks yet the understanding isn't there behind it and that goes with it so you know really the, the takeaway from this is that time is of the essence and if you're not sure just ask could it be sepsis i've read that if you get treatment within that first hour that golden hour then at least 80 percent of patients will survive yeah it's still not not great it's a concerning condition but at least you've you've got a reasonable chance whereas if it's left for six hours or more that drops to 30 percent which is pretty startling isn't yeah. it yeah and i think just those figures there really demonstrate how serious but how quickly it happens so you know that message that time is of the essence those stats really just sum that up very neatly really that, that how the stats drop so the sooner you kind of ask that question could it be sepsis yeah. and treatment could start the, no the one's going to tell you off be. asking that no. question um so obviously emma you've had some experience of cases of sepsis can you can you tell us a little bit about those we've talked about how key it is to make that diagnosis early and to start the treatment early and we've also mentioned about what the the repercussions can be so people can suffer life-changing injuries sometimes you could be at risk of needing an amputation or in some cases it can be fatal so people's lives can be changed people can lose loved ones as a, as a result of this so we've acted on behalf of people from a whole different range uh, of backgrounds um, who have sadly suffered life-changing um, impacts of sepsis to give you an example um, there was a, a mum who was expecting twins and she developed an infection which is not unusual during pregnancy and labour and then sadly that did develop into sepsis that's how her body responded after labour and she died two days later because there was a delay in that being diagnosed so always with these cases what we need to do is to look into should sepsis have been identified earlier should treatment have been started earlier or different treatments started earlier and is it likely that other treatment would have changed the outcome so in that case you know would other treatment have prevented the death and in that particular case we had medical expert evidence that said yes treatment should have been started earlier and that young mum's life could have been saved so a huge tragedy and one that could have been prevented and perhaps if someone had thought to ask could this be sepsis because she she was in that vulnerable group you know you mentioned earlier yeah and, and she would have had people with her she would have had you know partners and family visiting and you know just even just asking that question and obviously we've talked about the avoidable deaths and, and there, there's a prime example there yeah and I think um, because often the patient themselves is going to be too ill to to really know what's going on so it's key for other people to, to spot and think well she's not recovering from you know delivery is difficult but she's not recovering as we'd expect so someone to ask that then we've had a case for an elderly man um, who'd had surgery so again that's a risk group and he went on to develop sepsis thankfully he survived but again because of delay in treatment then he had some serious long-term complications from that the other end of the spectrum, very sad case again of a, of a young child. Mum was concerned about him, took him to the GP. The GP said, could this be sepsis? So went to hospital, but somehow um, in, in arriving at hospital, that sort of message, if you like, was lost. And there were delays before they realised, yes, it was sepsis and started treatment. 
he survived, but he ended up having to have um, amputations, multiple amputations. So, you know, his life is is never going to be the same again. So it just comes back to this. The earlier you can flag up that there could be concerns and ask that question, could it be sepsis? Mention any of those symptoms. Even if you think, you know, well, I don't think that's important. Even if you think I've already told someone that. Let someone else make the clinical decision and just, you know, give the information that you've got. I mean, the gentleman I looked after that that scratched his leg on his Christmas tree, we didn't know where the source of infection was because we didn't know about the scratch on his leg until it came out. You know, he didn't think it was relevant. But by that point, he was very sick. Um, So, you know, you don't need to know what to do with the information. Just pass it on. Yeah, people can be afraid, I think, sometimes to mention things or think, well, I've already told someone that they're going to know that. I don't need to say it again. But I think those case studies really demonstrate that it can happen to anyone and and, and the seriousness of it as well. I mean, obviously, to have deaths and and amputations, it's it's incredibly serious. Um, We can be a bit British, I think, sometimes, can't we? And thinking, oh, I don't want to cause any trouble. But actually, you know, it's just so much better. And you say for the clinicians, they, it might just be the prompt that they need. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And I think, you know, for people that have, you know, either had long-term effects from, uh, you know, from sepsis um, or, you know, bereavement, as you, in one of the case studies, I think that there's there's a lot of support out there. And there is information. Obviously, it's, you know, awareness is key. So for anyone that does need more information, a really helpful place to, to start would be the UK Sepsis Trust. Um, so their website is sepsistrust.org and they've actually set up quite a lot of support groups. So, you know, people who have been bereaved or who've, you know, had amputations and, you know, been affected by sepsis. And I think it's really important for people to know that there's other people that have been affected. You know, clearly there's a lot of people that are affected by sepsis and, yeah. you know, there's the supports out there. And I think they've got some information on there about COVID. I was just going to ask you about that. So obviously we're all we're all, all too familiar with COVID, but if you have had covid could that lead to sepsis and if you've had sepsis are you more at risk of covid i think it's a really relevant question and it's very you know people do want to know what happens and and the effects of of all these things on everything else um i think going back to what we discussed earlier if you're in an at-risk group if you've either just had covid your immune system's probably going to be you know weakened and likewise if you've just had sepsis you might be more at risk of maybe getting covid or having worse symptoms i think it's really you know that awareness of of the symptoms and you know knowing that you if you've just had sepsis your immune system is going to be weakened for for quite a long time and you know unfortunately if you've had sepsis you can get another infection and you can get sepsis again so you might want to ask your doctor if you if you need to be shielding absolutely yeah and i think again you know there's lots of um, information out there you know the uk sepsis website is very good but yeah if in doubt you know ask your ask your gp thanks to emma and steph for lending their expertise and helping us understand how important it is to know about sepsis yet more proof that lawyers don't bite If you need legal help from either of them, please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk. That's lblaw.co.uk. And if you have a particular legal issue you'd like me to put to our specialists for an upcoming episode, please let us know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show and find any of the conversations interesting or helpful, please remember to use your podcast app to follow The Legal Lounge so that you never miss an episode. That was The Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.